for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight and site expert Stephen Kabitza. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. We are back for our second episode this week. Couldn't be more excited. I'm Stephen Kabitza. With me is Andrew Seipt, and we are here to preview this Saturday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Andrew, what should we know off the bat for this Saturday? Well, I mean, it's our second episode, so I think this promotion has been given some good uh, good creative flow to the podcast, so I'm, I'm happy we're doing two episodes, although it's a little bit extra work. I don't know if I like that. It's a lot of extra work. It is. But... We don't really leave the house too much, our no. separate houses. No, at least not at night anyway. But what should um, we know about these injuries? Current injuries for, this game? for the Browns, as most of you heard, Tank Carter, torn ACL, out for the year. Matt McCants, the offensive lineman who got hurt late in last night's game, was put on IR. Danny Shelton still out. Joel Batonio's week-to-week. And actually, Ibrahim Campbell came back to practice. But I think uh, Julie... Again, Julius Peppers, man. Julius Peppers taking away <laughs> playing time from Ibrahim From Campbell. Jabril Peppers. Yeah, no. Jabril Peppers, I think, has locked down that free safety spot. So oh, yeah. one in- injury I actually did not get an update on was David Njoku. Did you hear anything about that by chance? All I've seen is that it's not, I mean, it's not day-to-day in a sense because he wasn't out. I think it was just something they're monitoring. You th- is he going to play? <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure yet. Uh, okay. I think... They shouldn't if he's hurt at all, but yeah. you still need that experience. Yeah. Well, let's but at least it was talking. a major because that game Monday night was just seemed like every other play someone was down in the field, especially in the fourth quarter too. I think I tweeted like, "Just get this game over with." You know, we don't need people getting hurt like that. But let's let's move into the obvious storyline here. Hugh Jackson announcing mm-hmm. yesterday that Deshaun Kaiser going to be the game three starter. Now it doesn't mean that he's going to be the week one starter, but Stephen, tell me a little bit. A little bit about your thoughts on on Deshaun being named the starter. Oh, I thought the main storyline was the kicking competition, but we could talk about the quarterbacks. I think I mean we've kind of talked about it on past episodes. Really? Ka- I didn't think we talked about not the about kicking that. competition. I'm talking about the quarterbacks. <laughs> I don't think we talk. I don't think we talk quarterbacks on this podcast at all. I, <laughs> I, I I don't know about that. Kirk Cousins? No, but I think it's the obvious choice based on how bad Brock Osweiler's been playing. He was given a chance. But let's not pretend like it was a great chance. I think Hugh Jackson knew what was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise. Like, I don't think Hugh Jackson saw those two games and was shocked. No, and when you watch Deshaun Kaiser, it almost, it's almost like the playbook opened up a little bit more cons- than when Osweiler was in the game. I remember talking about that first preseason game. They got down to the goal line, and again, Osweiler... I, I mean, I complained about the play calling that there were no runs involved, but Osweiler didn't even come close to the end zone. And it's, I think it was a testament to what we touched on last week is just how bad he is in the red zone, and that's where you, need, you just need to score the, score the football at that point. Yeah, so Kaiser starting this game, like you said, or Hugh Jackson said, you've just... I uh, was breaking break. the news. <laughs> I did, technically. If you, if he you, said he, he's putting himself in a good position to start, but there's no way Brock Osweiler's going to be the week one starter. And that kind of leads into our next storyline... 
Brock Osweiler's not expected to play this Saturday, so he's got to be up on the trade market. I thought that was kind of weird. It was like it was like 20 minutes after they said Kaiser was going to start, and I saw the tweet from Schefter, and I was like, either they're saving him for a trade, or I mean, or he's just that bad in practice that that. Well, Hugh, just wash their Hugh, hands of him. yeah, Hugh Jackson framed it as he wants younger players to get time, but this is the third preseason game. Does Kevin Hogan need more reps? Well, what happens if Kaiser comes out and falls flat on his face? Then do you go back to Osweiler or do you go back to Kessler? Well, I think right now they're looking to trade Osweiler, so I think Kessler would, would be the next in line. I saw somebody tweet, like, what? oh, so what's Cody Kessler's trade value? Like, what trade value? Like, he's, oh, he's worth nothing. Yeah. yeah, he has no trade value. It's crazy. I, Osweiler, well, he probably I think, is better than Brock Osweiler. Probably. I've, heard, I've seen a lot of Indianapolis talk for Brock they Osweiler. definitely need someone yeah I, I Benjamin Albright was on the radio today just talked that Andrew Luck's injury is a lot worse than it sounds which is not good for my fantasy team he hasn't practiced since December yeah that's I think he's throwing now but either way I mean that guy, he hasn't like had an official practice and their their starter right now is Scott Tolzien oh, too bad they don't they need Jim Sorge back from the Peyton Manning days career back up to Peyton or Manning. Curtis talk Painter about a, talk about a great job yeah, I think you look at a team like the Colts or even the Ravens with an injured starter or even the Jaguars, who we'll talk about in a bit, a little bit on their situation. But there's three teams. The Ravens would be the probably the least desperate out of those three. But teams that need quarterbacks, and the quarterback market is always inflated because people get nervous and they don't want a wasted season. But it kind of turns into a wasted season anyway if you get someone like Brock in there. Yeah. Uh, it depends on what your opinion of Brock is. Obviously, if you think he can be a serviceable quarterback, that'll it, it, that can at least get you by until week four, week five. I mean, it depends on how severe Andrew Luck's injury is. I I don't believe that he's going to start week one, but the Colts have got to make a move at some point. I don't think they're going to roll with Scott Tolzien. If Brock comes in week three for the Colts and beats the Browns, I will be that'd be insane. Lord. That'd be crazy. <laughs> and then he puts his, he stands at the 50-yard line and puts a middle finger to the Browns bench. That'd right be insane if that Brown. game was Brock Osweiler starting for the Colts. It's not unlikely. It's not. True. I think I, that I is think probably his top trade destination. Not. Yeah, I would agree. Ooh, I, I'm already picturing this because you picture that, schedule, that game when you see it on the schedule as Andrew Luck going to torch the Browns, but then you play him. Oh, is that Brock circled, Osweiler? Man. Brock's got it circled on the schedule ready to go. Wow. I, and then for some other storylines, the kicking competition, am I right? Yeah. No, but just uh, seeing the defense. I think we got defense, about 24 minutes left in the podcast. I think we could devote at least 20 of that to the kicking competition. Seeing the defense, if they can repeat their week two performance. Got any more thoughts on that? No. I Part of my players to watch are Miles Garrett and Joe Schobert. Um, Deshaun Kaiser obviously being the other one, but just seeing if Joe Schobert can keep up this kind of production, especially Tank Carter being out, he's going to get a, a lot of time here with the ones. So, and plus, I just like watching Miles Garrett play. I, I want him to just watching him come off the edge is awesome to watch, and I'm, it's something that hopefully we'll be watching for the next ten years. But like I said, Joe Schobert and the defense, especially against a passing offense like that of Tampa Bay. It'll be really a good test for them 
to see where they currently stand, especially in that secondary. And since it's preseason, I'll throw out another usual storyline. Any receivers stepping up? Anyone out there in the group? Because right now, there's only, I'd say, Corey Coleman, Kenny Britt, their jobs are assured, and then Duke Johnson's essentially the third receiver. After that, anyone can make the roster. I didn't hear it much from your boy Richard Mullaney last game. I was pretty upset. He didn't have a catch. Did he play at all? I'm not sure. I don't think he even had a target. So I'm going to probably, you know, put him off the list as a player to watch. him off, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, anyone can make the team out of that receiving core, which is insane two weeks before the season. A lot of people are saying Ricardo Lewis has had a good camp. But again, no one's showing it in the game. And I don't know if yeah, that's, that's a all testament. That matters. I don't know if that's a testament to the lack of quarterback play because they really haven't had, you know, a full game. It's been two drives of Osweiler, four drives of Kaiser, you know, and plus those receivers are out of the game too for the most part. So how much are the Browns moving the ball total versus what are the receivers doing? I think it'll be a more definitive answer tonight as to who we might see because the starters are going to play a little bit longer, but come week one, I mean, someone's got to be that third receiver. So hopefully someone steps up between now and then. I would like to say it'll be my favorite player, Hollywood Higgins. He looked, but he had a, he put a nice move on a dude last game. And I was like, wow, I was, I mean, he just looked fast. And then he came right out of the move and got like, it was like a nice 10 yard catch. I was pretty impressed by that. Is that enough to win that third spot? Just that one catch alone, yes. It's fine by me. But yeah, I think right now the storylines are all kind of the same through the preseason because without the roster cuts, it's just so it's the same group of 90 going until at the, it four times. Until the Browns find a quarterback, every single storyline from now until they find one will be centered around the quarterback and the quarterback position. So I, it's tough to talk about anything else, but at least now we have a guy in Deshaun Kaiser that has... Sh- given us hope for at least a couple games that that he can be the real deal and i think it's trending in that direction moving into strengths and weaknesses of the tampa bay buccaneers steven what do you think aside from the play of Jameis winston is a strength of tampa bay i'd say their size and one player i really want to look at is oj howard who is a big big name we talked about before the draft until the browns went and got njoku i was a huge fan of oj howard I just read a report recently that they're looking to have him more as a blocker initially, which is oh, surprising, wow. but, I mean, he was a good blocker at Alabama, so it's always nice to have. Well, I think with any tight end, you want him to be a blocker, but having him primarily be a blocker sounds a little Well, odd. they've got Cameron Brait there, too, so maybe, and tight ends take tend to take a little longer to develop than other positions, so if you can get a guy like Cameron Bray to just carry the load on the offensive for a while, and then he can work his way into the playbook blocking and probably catch, you know, a few first downs or touchdowns here and there. It's just a good way to ease him in, but similar to what the Browns are doing with Seth DeValve and David Njoku, I would think. Yeah. So with Howard, I mean, his size and speed, Mike Evans, just their whole, I mean, their speed offense, essentially. Yeah, that's what I have down here. The passing offense, uh, receiving core being obviously a main proponent. They added Deshaun Jackson in the offseason, and if you've watched Hard Knocks at all, he's been tearing it up. There's one play where Jameis goes, Deshaun, it's going to be a touchdown. And it was a, it was a touchdown in practice, like they called it. He looks good. They've got some good threats on the outside. 
unfortunately, their other weakness is also on the or their own their weakness I see is on that side of the ball as well and running back. Doug Martin has been a little hurt and now he's been suspended for the first three weeks of the year for a substance problem. So there's really no clear workhorse back there, but maybe Doug Martin can get back to form. What are your thoughts on that? I think he's fine once he's back and he- I mean he's not hurt now, but I mean healthy in sense where when he's healthy as a player, I've carried him as a fantasy player for quite some time. So well, I have no you- bad things to say about Doug Martin. Always loyal. Always loyal. Keep the same players every single year and go eight and eight. Yep. But Doug's sure. on the team. Danny Danny Woodhead. Julian Edelman. <laughs> uh, who else? Who else are your mainstays? Oh, Aaron Rodgers is my mainstay. I always take him in the f- like top five, and people are like, that's a dumb pick. How's that a dumb pick? He's going to get me like 30 points a game. Yeah, that's true. Though, that's I also what... recall, as a quick throwback, when I had Peyton Manning, and he had, what, like seven touchdowns opening day against you, and I was already 20... up like 60 to nothing. It was 2013. <laughs> First year, it was the first game of sophomore year. It I was remember. 2013, and Peyton Manning just torched the Ravens. I <laughs> like think the, first, the score after <laughs> after the first night of football was 71 nothing or 81 nothing because you had Demarius Thomas too, I think, or somebody yeah, that had was 20 points. Thir- or Friday morning, I'm like, ah, it was <laughs> Let a me nice scour 80, the waiver wire. 81 point uh, head start, so that was fun. Well, yeah, that's an aside, but back to this game. <laughs> Some of the keys to victory, at least that I wrote down, are what the Browns are going to have to do in the first half to really show that I think they're they're on the right track. They've got to establish the run. You know, I think it's something, especially with Deshaun Kaiser starting, that they're really going to have to focus on. They'll have Joe Thomas back in the lineup. Plus, if you can establish the run, it really gives the offense the chance to run play action and get some stuff going down the field you look at what Mitch Trubisky did in Chicago they can they run the ball they run the ball they run the ball and then they're able to pull it back and give Mitch Trubisky some time to just make easy throws across the middle and that's that's what a play action does for you well the key to being able to establish the run I know another key you have for this as well that we both have is no penalties and not just I mean you're going to have some throughout the game but not a holding call every other play from a different player it seemed like and it was not only on like if it was a negative gain i'm like oh, okay it's a holding penalty like yeah it sucks but like they happen you know it's it was on like 13 15 yard runs like drive extending plays that now get called back because someone's not or some maybe that was the reason why they were able to break it that far yeah and just they were i mean like they're like you said they're drive killers and it's the Absolutely. preseason. There's no reason you should be holding in the preseason unless no. someone's about to kill Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. I think and, I think one of your players to watch, too, is Kevin Zeitler, I would think, right? Or what yeah, he looking? showed up a few. I mean, a good offensive lineman you should never really hear about during the game. Mm-hmm. And he had a few penalties and just, I mean, he's, what is he, the highest paid guard in the NFL? Yeah. And he got he's beat a few times. cannot get beat in the preseason. Yeah. What do you think of the Desmond Bryant release? That came down late, I believe, Tuesday night? I think so. I I look at it as, he, I believe he's 31 years old. They have all these young defensive linemen in camp, and it's just kind of the same thing with the rebuilding phase. You're always going to have veterans leave and favor the younger guys. And they're stacked at the position. 
So I don't think he was playing poorly. I just think if he's at the same level as the younger guys and there's more potential with the younger guys, that's just the way this front office is working. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned it in the podcast. It was I'm like, oh, Desmond Bryant's playing with the <laughs> into yep. the fourth quarter with a bunch of undrafted guys. Read into that what you will, and I think he was cut later that night. So it it was not a, a surprising move to me, but I do think with the injury to Danny Shelton, it comes at a weird time. I think Trevin Coley has has made an impact or at least significant enough to the point where they felt comfortable releasing him. Yeah, Coley's uh, on the top of the depth chart right now. Yeah. Undrafted. So, yeah, and I am i have not heard anything. I honestly forgot that Larry Joby was even playing. I have not heard anything from him or Caleb Brantley. So while well, we Brantley's might have, been hurt, too. We might be young at the position. I don't know if we're necessarily deep yet in terms of talent. Yeah, like, like I just said, Brantley's been hurt, too, so uh, throughout camp and everything, so it's tough. But, yeah, with Coley there, it's interesting. A lot of people say, oh, like we had to cut Bryant because we had an undrafted guy. I'm like, no, it's just playing because better. he's good. Yeah. When I see that cut, too, I kind of think it could be in the sense of the front office knew they weren't going to keep him when they made final cuts. And since he's a veteran, it's just, you know, let, let him go now. Yeah, it gives so him he time can find to a new team. somebody. Because yeah. they're not trying to screw him over. There's no point. Well, that's funny because, like, I think it was last year or the year before that, they, like, waited to cut Brian Hartline and Dante. They waited to cut Dante Whitner, I remember. And Brian Hartline, they waited. But all those guys were pissed that they didn't wait, but then they didn't get signed by any. They're still not signed by anybody. So. Yeah, that's the classic. The Browns let that guy go? Be like, yeah, he never got signed. Yeah. They were like, wow, can't believe the Browns cut Hartline. It's like, well, he's still a free agent. So We're the worst team in the league, and we cut one of our average receivers. Yeah, he was not very good. Although, I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Because I just said the worst team. Do you agree with the statement that the Browns are no longer, I'd say, one of even the three worst teams in the NFL? I'm going to answer this based on two preseason games, but it, I'm going to have to answer realistically after week one or week two because preseason you can only see so much, but this the talent on defense so far – or the, at least the ability that's been shown so far in the first two preseason games, it shows me that it were at least better than the Jets. So I'd say Jets, Bears, and Jags. Jags have some young talent on D, so they're not too far off. But their off. offense stinks. And they got Leonard Fournette. I know, but a, a quarterback changes that. And that's, that's my, Chad Henney's that, their quarterback. That's my huge emphasis on the quarterback position because you are nothing without a quarterback. And until you find that franchise guy, you should be doing everything and anything you can to get one. And now I think they finally come to the realization that Bortles is not that guy. So if it's Chad Henney, it's Chad Henney. If not, expect the Jaguars to be taking a quarterback early next year. As a quick aside, Browns fans are always you know upset about quarterbacks never panning out. But the Jags took two quarterbacks high in the draft. They took Blaine Gabbert and then Blake Bortles. No, and they've was, invested uh, years in the both of them. Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg. Well, but the Jets didn't... Well, I think Hackenberg was first round, wasn't he? No, he's a third round. No. But I mean, with the Jags, like those guys were top 10 picks. They've invested Ooh, well, years in the both of them. Oh, oh, yeah, Blaine Gabbert was for the Jaguars. First um, round pick. Blake Bortles, first-round pick. I remember I mean, the Browns have never taken a high a quarterback that high since Tim Couch, right? Well, yeah, and the, the problem is, that's kind of the problem that I had so far is that they've never invested enough in a quarterback to just build around. 
And if, Truly. If and I guess Kaiser's, at least the Jags gave Bortles a chance. Yeah, they, they built a team. So it's almost exactly like what Dallas did. And the Jaguars are a perfect example of this, too. They they picked a guy and stuck with him for three years. And he did have one year where people were like, wow, maybe this team's going to be an up-and-coming team. Now, it didn't pan out that way, but they've at least kept the front office until this year in place to where they've got Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler, you know, some decent players, Telvin Smith on the defensive side of the ball, as well as some playmakers on offense to where you, you finally find a good quarterback and you've already accelerated your process. I mean, you're, you're back up to being a potential playoff team versus turning over your franchise every year because you can't find even a quarterback to roll with for a year and a half, let alone three seasons. Maybe they'll take Brock Osweiler off our hands. You know, it's funny that I didn't think there'd be a quarterback worse than Blake Bortles right now, and Brock Osweiler is, is giving him a run for his money. I mean, they could compete for the job in Jacksonville. They could have hit those two and Henny go at it next week, week four. Brock is just, man, he's so He is un- what he is. I don't think he is. He's just uninspiring. <laughs> and all his press conferences are so sassy. He's a, well. It's not sassy. He's just like he's like really confident, and he he taught he has everything you want in a quarterback except the ability to be accurate. And that's accuracy, like the number yeah. one accuracy. Thing. So, I think one of my other keys to the game was getting to the quarterback. You know, if if you're going to play a pass happy team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's going to be important for the Browns to get pressure and disrupt Jameis from getting in a rhythm. Because the more you get Jameis in a rhythm. I mean, it's tough to guard receivers like Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. So I'm hoping Miles Garrett can get a real big push on the edge there to, to bring Jameis down a few times. Yeah, and just seeing some, I was better last game. Week one, they got, you know, blown by a few times. But just seeing the defense, as I always say, just no giant, I'd say no giant runs. You're going to have big passes sometimes against a team like this, but just no 30-yard runs, people whiffing on tackles, and the defensive line just getting mauled. And it's been slow like lower and lower every game i remember the saints had a couple big ones and even last week there was like one or two that were plus like in double digit yard long gains so especially with a team like tampa bay that's not necessarily strong at running back they've got to be able to enforce their will so that way tampa bay is not able to to establish their run and get in a get in a good tempo offensively no i agree what else do we have to look at here I'm excited. All this I, talk is getting me excited. I think one of our last topics, or at least getting towards the end, you know, we've we've kind of been pretty efficient here. Uh, what is a matchup that you're looking forward to seeing the most? So it could be wide receiver on cornerback. It could be middle linebacker, tight end. It could be, you know, what what matchup are you looking for? Yeah, mine's an obvious one. It's a little more expansive, too. Just to show Kaiser versus a first-team defense. Because... I, I believe, I mean, he's looked decent against the defenses he's played against, but we need to see him in a true regular season type environment. I agree. And it's, we're going to know right away how he responds. If he's well, holding on the ball for four seconds again or if he's I just missing reads. I agree with that. But what happens, you know, this is playing negative Nancy here, what happens if he does fall flat on his face? Like, do you go back to Osweiler? Do you go back to Kessler? That's the key question. I, I mean, think I'm if that, that does happen, happen, you just roll with them again in week four and see how it goes. That's, I mean, it's tough. I, I'm hoping, and I think he'll be ready. You know, I think the game plan is going to be very, very conducive to making him look good. Hugh Jackson's going going to run a lot of read option. 
like I think playing into my matchup a little bit, I think it's it's going to be important for Hugh Jackson to get Isaiah Crowell in rhythm with this new offensive line. So I expect a lot of running game early, and that is my matchup that I'm looking forward to most, how Isaiah Crowell and the fully equipped offensive line minus Joel Batonio are able to handle the defense of Gerald McCoy, Quan Alexander, some pretty stud defenders, you know, and, and is Isaiah Crowell able to break some of the runs that we've we've come to see in recent years? I agree with that, and that's, I mean, the running game is key for the whole season, and it it does boil down to, like you said earlier, just calling enough run plays, which is a crazy thing that we have to talk about, but it's been a problem. And I think part of that was that they just wanted to see the quarterbacks play in the red zone, because running the ball is important, but maybe not in a preseason game. Yeah, they know, they want to see the guys run a red zone offense as opposed to you know Matthew Days can probably bust a two-yard run. Yeah. Honest question here. Doesn't this kind of make you – it kind of proves the point that quarterback competitions do not work, right? They work if if you get lucky enough to have someone who, you know, really deserves the job and just had to really prove it in camp. But, but these guys were all even. No, but – yeah, but that doesn't – so even coming in, you're you're at the same point that you knew coming into the season, that Deshaun Kaiser True. had higher upside, that you knew what you had in Brock Osweiler, and that Cody Kessler was probably not going to be able to get it done. So instead of – and I understand the trade for Osweiler getting the second-round pick, but you, you took away a lot of meaningful reps for Deshaun Kaiser that – I mean, he could be ready to go now. But instead, you know, he's losing a, a decent amount of reps with not not just one quarterback, but two other quarterbacks in that room. So I, I think it's more detrimental to a team and especially to a, to a young quarterback like Deshaun Kaiser than it is to really finding out which quarterback you should be playing. And to build off that point, to continue the negative train, Osweiler playing poorly in two games only lowers his trade value. And that's, if they stashed him on the bench, they could have probably traded him by now. Like what what if you're trying to showcase him, which I think was alluded to in some and of the press horrible. conferences, like what he, it just doesn't make sense to me. You're if he's if you're showcasing him or if he if you think he can actually be good, then why wouldn't you keep him? You wouldn't trade him at that point. You know, if he came out and balled out, I think we'd be talking about Osweiler as a starter. But instead, you went out there and he showed exactly what you knew that he was, which is a less than average quarterback. And now you've got nothing to do but eat his sixteen million dollar contract when you put him on the or when you cut him in probably two weeks. Maybe the Colts will take on about six million. And Cam Irving too. We'll throw him in there, and then we'll get like I'll take like Philip Dorsett back, and that's it. And they'd also send a first round pick. Yeah, for Trent and yeah, we'll throw in the ghost of Trent Richardson. Well, we have as well. we have Grigson now. The yeah, Browns do, so funny? hopefully uh we don't send a first round pick. Yeah. It I don't They just need to I, they should have traded him from the second and I, I said that as soon as they got him. I mean Yeah, but what if no one wanted him? I'm sure they tried. That's true. I don't think anybody now wants him, but again it's still frustrating that he's taking away reps from a guy that now we knew was the best quarterback in their room coming in and now he's still the like now it's announced that he's the best. So for all those people that were like, Well, we need we can't get him hurt. We can't oh he's gonna get hurt out there. Well, he's gonna play sometime, you know. I, if he's better than the two other quarterbacks, you can't just say that he's too young or that he's going to get hurt. You know, it's, it's football. It's what you signed up for. So either you can play or you can't, and you don't know what you have in a quarterback until you put him in hot water. So bring it on. 
that was a lot of coach speak. It was. That was a true. I saw. I uh, Chuck Pagano. I saw on Deadspin. They were kind of making fun of it. Everything he says is, you know, you just got to keep chopping wood. Got to pick up the axe, chop wood, kick down the door. Funny <laughs> like, are story you describing about Chuck a fairy Pagano. tale. Funny story about Chuck Pagano is I actually gambled with him at a roulette table in Southern Indiana at the casino. And yeah, we've I'm, heard this on the podcast before, Andrew. Oh, well, we've just, heard your Chuck Pagano story. I'm sorry that we're best friends now, so I just like to bring it up. Yeah, I was chopping the wood with Chuck Pagano at the roulette table. That's what he was Excuse telling me? me. You just got to keep chopping the wood. You just got to roll the dice. Keep rolling on the fives, the sevens. Keep rolling the, like, dice. Coach, keep rolling uh, the dice. Coach, you're kind of confusing me here. So I think to kind of close things out, like we typically do, we're going to end with one interest, interesting storyline that we've seen across the league. I'm going to let Steven go first. Steven, what is your storyline this week? Yeah, we've touched on it already, but mine is Chad Henney. Um, starting, we're recording this Thursday night, so he's starting tonight over Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. And regardless of how either plays, just the fact that the Jags have moved Bortles out of that for sure number one quarterback, that's huge because that could derail their season before it even starts. Yeah, like I said, even a quarterback competition there, it, it wouldn't have done any good. You know, you knew Blake Bortles wasn't necessarily that good. And now with Chad Henney going in there, it, you've given Bortles plenty of reps. Now if Chad Henney's the guy, he's a veteran. I think he's he's he played pretty well last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. He's been there for a while. It's just crazy. You think guys like him and then like Matt Moore and the Dolphins, he's like career backups on like average or bad teams. It's like, yeah. hasn't Chad Henney gotten a lot of starts? But I mean, collecting a paycheck, still healthy. Yeah. Not bad. What's your storyline? It's a good gig. Mine is the Minnesota Vikings and some of their playmakers that either came on late last year or were drafted this year, and in Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. I read a report that Adam Thielen is probably Sam Bradford's number one receiver. I think Bradford trusts him more than than some of the other guys or trusts him enough to distribute the ball to him quite a bit. I actually drafted him in the 15th round of my fantasy draft, so I'm hoping he plays pretty well. They actually said they're going to run the offense through him, which I thought was interesting. And he had 967 yards and five touchdowns last year. So if you can improve on that, I mean, you can't ask for much more much more production. Dalvin Cook being the other one, I mean, he's averaged almost six yards a carry so far. And he's the leading rusher back there. I think they have Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, but I think the job is his to lose. And, you know, if, if that's a guy that, takes over for in the shadow of ap i think everything that we've seen thus far out of that area has been all signs pointing yes so i'm interested to see now the vikings switch from a defensive heavy team with like a a a stereo not stereotypical but dubbed anemic offense with no playmakers now it's kind of switching gears to where they're they're a really well balanced team all right well you heard it all here we got not only browns analysis but you heard vikings Jaguars, Colts, Tampa Bay. We got everything. If you have a team, if you could think of a team that people probably don't root for, we'll talk about them on the show. Right here. (laughs) And we're talking Jags and Chargers today on the podcast. (laughs) God, that's that's sad. But yeah, that's our second show this week. We'll be back next week, maybe for just one show. Because of the quick turnaround Thursday night, uh, probably be a two-hour show all about us excited to watch Mitch Trubisky. Plus, I really don't think, well, that's true, but I really don't think there's going to be too many starting players in this fourth preseason game. Exactly. That it's going to be, I think we'll be mostly talking about Mitch and Deshaun going at it. So 
Looking yeah, we'll to do that. just one, and then ten days after that, season starts. Here we go. I'm excited. I'm predicting 42 nothing win over Pittsburgh, but we'll revisit that in a week. Yeah, I'll probably forget it by the time. You'll edit that out by the time <laughs> before it gets put on the record. All right, so yeah, that's it for our second show this week. As always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Send we've been told We've been told that it's very convenient to be subscribed on iTunes. It is very convenient. And, you know, the other thing, too, is if you download the fan-sided app and you put the Browns as your favorite team, you'll get every, every time we post something, and especially with the podcast, too, you'll get immediate access to it right on your phone. So that's pretty cool. It's great. How neat is that? <laughs> wow. wow. An app? I can yeah, tell subscribe to us. the way it is. Reach out on Twitter. Read the articles at dogponddaily.com. And as I always say, thanks for listening. It's pretty cool that we have people listening to the end, Andrew. The uh, anything you want to end, end with? No. I got an article in the works about Deshaun Kaiser and why it's the pros and cons of him starting. So keep an eye out for that and follow us on Twitter. Perfect. Thank you for listening.